How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome to the Bay Area Panthers pod. Part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Where you'll find analysis, news, notes, and more about the Bay Area Panthers of the Indoor Football League. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Grandy and Evan Giddings. Yes, sir. It's episode number five of the Bay Area Panthers pod. I'm Mark Grandy. Evan Giddings with me. You'll hear from him in just a little bit. Also, you'll hear from Bay Area Panthers head coach Kurt Bryan. He is joining us momentarily. It was a tough loss for the Bay Area Panthers over the weekend. They go on the road to Duke City down in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and they fall to the Gladiators by a final score of 50-28. to I think the game a little bit closer than that final score might suggest. We'll dig into it with Coach Bryan. Evan and I will break it down after as well, so stay tuned here on the Bay Area Panthers. Pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Bay Area now 1-3 and three on the year. They've lost three in a row after their uh, inaugural win in their inaugural game a few weeks ago at SAP Center. Duke City as well with the win is now 1-3. and three. All right, well, without any further ado, let's get on to head coach Kurt Bryan. Again, he's joining us right here on the Bay Area Panthers pod. Now we welcome in head coach Kurt Bryan of the Bay Area Panthers. Coach, thanks so much for coming on once again. Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings with you. It's a pleasure to have you on the pod once again. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks so much, gentlemen, for having me on. Of course, it's a pleasure to talk to you once again. Unfortunately, though, your team coming off of another loss, this one on the road in Duke City, a challenging place to play on the road. Uh, a team that was coming in without a win. They really desperately wanted to get that win, and they did. If you could just take us through another short week leading up to a road game, really tough situation for your team to be in. What did you see from your team overall in the loss? Well, uh, the good news from that game is we were in great shape. You know, playing at a mile high down there in Albuquerque, we were concerned about oxygen and, you know, catching our breath, but our guys were in fabulous shape. So that was really good news. 
And then, of course, it was a hard-fought game. You know, mistakes obviously um, led to our demise. And Duke City, we told the team they were the best 0-3 team in the country because they played the Arizona Rattlers twice. And um, we knew they were very good. Coach, after four weeks, you know, effectively a quarter of the way through the season at this point. What sort of been your evaluation of the first four games? Clearly a huge high on opening night with the big win that came down to the wire and then followed by some tough losses, three of which in a row. How do you feel like the team has, has stood in this point four games through the season? It's been a quick four weeks, uh, but obviously a quarter of the way done with the regular season about so far. What's been your thoughts on the, the first part of your inaugural season? Well, obviously, the first quarter of the first quarter of our season was the best part with the win, right? And then, you know, we've had some really nice quarters or halves of football. Um, we've made it our rule. We don't, uh, we don't. Uh, let's say it like this, injuries won't be an excuse for not doing well. And when a team gets an injury bug, and it happens a lot in the early part of the season, it is a lot to overcome because you haven't play together that often so not only are the new guys learning but the new new guys have to catch up so it's made it tough the great news is our guys are playing fast and physical every game we just have to uh, overcome some mistakes and get better in a short amount of time yeah, you mentioned Duke City, maybe the best uh, 0-3 team you've ever seen. They won 50-28 to against you guys last weekend. They're now 1-3. You're now 1-3. I want to key, on, key in on a, a couple-minute stretch in that game. About midway through the, the third quarter, you guys were on defense. Duke City was facing a fourth and nine. They went for it. They were you know deep in their own territory. They converted. You then later dropped an interception in the end zone when a couple of your guys collided. They then turn it into a touchdown. They make it a two-score game. Suddenly they suddenly it's a 23-point lead for them. How key are just those small moments, that one-fourth-and-nine conversion, the dropped interception in the end zone, and in a game like the IFL, which moves so quickly, just how much can that one moment really shape, uh, shape the, the, uh, the end of a game and, and it might change it entirely? Well, it's ironic that you chose that segment because that's exactly what we had talked about as a staff and a team. You know, we came out at halftime, uh, guns blazing, playing outstanding. And I believe uh, seven out of the eight plays that they had to open the second half, you know, we're all going in our favor for the most part. And that fourth down play was a killer. And then obviously uh, Nick Brassel had the interception in his hands in the end zone and, and collided with one of our own players. You know, it's just didn't hang on the ball. It happens to us as a staff. That about two minute segment was the most pivotal segment of the game because we were down twenty nine twenty, as you mentioned, and we were uh, we were poised to get right back in it if we held them on fourth and nine and go down and get another touchdown like we had done before. Coach, you mentioned the adjustments that you and your staff have, have had to make on the field. Well, you know, you've made a one in particular off the field this week with the offensive coordinator, Terry Smith, moving on from the team. Obviously, a, a tough discussion, a tough part of the season and something you know that, that the team just essentially has to go through in order to move on to get better. Uh, could you tell us a little bit what went into making that decision along with what the fans perhaps could expect moving forward with from what it sounds like, you're going to be taking on the, the role of play calling, especially offensively. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the defense is staying the same with Derek Chachere and uh, our special teams with uh, Coach John Schaefer. And, you know, Terry Smith is a great coach and a great person. But sometimes, especially in football and at this level, 
It's just a matter of a fit. And if a fit's not exactly right for that season, you know, you can only play one season at a time, and everybody knows that. So we evaluated some things. We talked through some things and, and thought it was better to move forward in, uh, in separate directions. And, um, you know, I wish Terry all the best. We parted amicably, and, um, and we're excited for the next 12 games or more in 2022. Absolutely. And how has the offense responded in, in practice so far, not to a completely new offensive philosophy, but to a different conductor? Uh, what, what can fans expect? Perhaps that's a little bit different than what we've seen before. And, and maybe as well, what's going to be similar from the first four weeks offensively? Yeah, that's a great question. So we modified the practice plan. Um, we shortened practices a little bit just because, you know, you get a lot of legs pounding out there and bodies moving around so that's the first thing we did is we reduced practice time by about a a total of 90 minutes per week and then um took a look at the offense a lot of stuff we liked that we kept i trimmed about 30 percent of the package for this week added some new wrinkles some new plays um shortened or changed a little bit of the terminology and um you know we're going to get back to you know no huddle high speed let's go 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 and execution so um, we're excited. Practice has been fantastic, and um, we're going to be ready to roll Monday night, April 18th. We're talking with uh, Coach Kurt Bryan of the Bay Area Panthers here on the Bay Area Panthers pod. And, Coach, I want to ask you about the quarterback position, and I know you listen to the pod. Evan and I talk about your two, three quarterbacks that you guys have been using pretty regularly. But more generically, I'm curious – you know, moving on from the offensive coordinator, kind of turning the page to the second quarter of the season, what is it that you hope to get out of your quarterback position, whether it's one guy, two guys, three guys? I know you've told us multiple times that you want to be able to run the ball. You want to lead the IFL in rushing yards, rushing attempts, rushing touchdowns, all of that. But what is it that you hope to see out of the quarterback position, maybe that you haven't seen through the first uh, quarter of the season? Yeah, well, you know, number one is we want to stay healthy, right? Because Corey suffered that injury in the in the uh, uh, first quarter of game two. So here's what we want to do, or second quarter of game two. What we want to do is have stability at the QB position. So Corey is clearly our starter. So Corey's our number one quarterback. And then we've got uh, the rookie, Joe Newman, and he has a, a lot of upside. He doesn't know the game nearly as well as Corey yet, respectfully, but he's a quick learner. So we're going to use Joe and kind of package him up. And then obviously Vincent came in when uh, Corey got hurt and couldn't go. And um, if it works out, we'd love to be able to keep three on our 25-man roster, and that is all TBD. So we're going to find out here very soon. Well, you, you talk about how you know you want to remain healthy and how injuries are not certainly an excuse for the results that we've seen so far this year, but it's allowed a guy like Dwayne Gary to really step up in the stead of some of perhaps some of those guys who have gone down. And I I think that um, to me, he's been one of the lone bright spots, especially in the rushing attack that you've tried to feature and has been a a prominent piece. Five rushing touchdowns this year near the top of the IFL. He's been a pleasant surprise. How impressed have you been with his contribution so far? Yeah, Dwayne um, is a real sleeper in this league. When we signed him out of Western Connecticut State, you know, NFL Draft Diamonds kind of featured him as a real sleeper. He's a natural runner. He reminds me of uh, Greg Pruitt back in the day, number 34, for the Cleveland Browns. His uh, shoulder pads are always parallel to the line of scrimmage, but he swivels his hips and his feet. 
he's kind of like a downhill skier with the football in his hands. Um, he can catch the ball. He can throw the ball. Obviously, he's a great runner, and he's a total workhorse. So very excited to um, see what he can do um, in the second quarter of this season. Coach, I want to go back to something you just mentioned a couple minutes ago. You said that you hope not a done deal and things can change, obviously, but you want to be able to carry all three of your quarterbacks on your 25-man roster for the rest of the season. I know a couple weeks ago in that game against Vegas, you had three quarterbacks in your active 20-man roster at game time because the questions around Corey Murphy and his injury that you brought up a little bit ago as well. We talked about it a little bit, Evan and I did on the podcast last week, but we can go right to the source here. How difficult is it when you want to have three quarterbacks on such a small roster? And what are those decisions like as the head coach, whether you want maybe a little more depth somewhere else or trying to go to three quarterbacks? What are those decisions like? I can't imagine they're easy. They're not easy. And um, obviously it's uh, it's nip and tuck because when you go from a 25-man roster and then on game night 21, you know, injuries are the first concern um, if a guy is if he's going to be able to go or not and then <clears throat> practice time during the week you know if if you can't practice due to injury it's really hard to get back up to game speed so as a staff we're looking at okay do we need another db do we need an o-lineman can we afford to carry a third quarterback um and you know it literally is a week-to-week decision coach with some of the you know Initial inaugural season challenges that have been thrown your way. Obviously, a lot is happening in year number one. Some that perhaps you were able to prepare for that you could foresee due to the you know just the amount of time because of the pandemic you had to sort of get ready for this year. But what were, what what are some of the things that you know you've faced so far? Some of the challenges that you didn't foresee happening, uh, and how have you had to adjust to those here in year number one? Well, obviously, you mentioned the pandemic and coming out of that, you know, we had some limitations on who could step inside uh, the SAP center. Those have now been lifted. So that's going to help. Uh, three Monday night games to start off. That's tough because, you know, people work and do all that. So we're doing the best we can there. We're excited for Marshawn Lynch bobblehead night coming up on April 18th. It's also our last Monday night game. And then, you know, uh, having a lot of rookies and a lot of young guys, they're learning the game, you know, building the airplane as we fly it, so to speak. And then a big challenge on the coaching side, you know, I never hire a coach expecting things not to work out the way we want. So making the change right now after four games at the OC position, that's been a big challenge, but it's a natural fit. Obviously, I've been on the offensive side of the ball and called plays for many years, so I've got a great staff. Um, we're excited about what's going to happen uh, Monday night. Head coach Kurt Bryan of the Bay Area Panthers with us here on the Bay Area Panthers pod. Following up on that, I know there's a lot of fans who may just kind of look at either the game, whether it be on paper or, or you know at the SAP Center. They're seeing the high total scores for the other side. You know, just kind of take us through how important it is to be successful offensively and how much that impacts the defense. Because I think from a, from a bird's eye view, a lot of people might say, oh, well, the Panthers have just struggled defensively. They can't you know, keep guys out of the end zone. But obviously there's a huge part that the offense plays, whether it be because of the short field, because of complementary football. Could you kind of take fans through why it's so important to be good, not only in offense and defense, but also on special teams to have that entire team effort in all three phases to be successful? Yeah, special teams is huge. I know the first three games, our special teams were fantastic. 
we had a bit of a breakdown on field goal PAT in the last game, and that really hurt us, um, really cost us some points and some momentum. But in the IFL, it's a possession game, which is, again, one of the reasons we run a no huddle. Been slowed down with all the injuries and substitutions. So you want as many um, shots at the end zone as possible. So 45 to 50 plays a game is optimal on the offensive side of the ball, which, again, helps your defense. They get energized. More importantly, if the other team has a good offense and they're scoring, let's say, 30 to 45 points a game, well, your offense has got to be able to keep pace and then hopefully you get a break on special teams or the defense will also get you one, and that makes the difference. If you go through and look at the scores of the IFL over the last, especially the last two to three seasons, you have a lot of one-score games, so every possession counts. Certainly it does. Uh, Coach, we'll get you out of here in just a minute, but first got to ask you about your upcoming opponent Monday night at SAP Center. The Bismarck Bucks are in town. They were a team that really struggled last year, but they've been playing really good football so far this year. They're 2-2. Two and two. They nearly knocked off the defending champions, the Massachusetts Pirates, this past weekend. I know you still have a lot of prep to do to get ready for Monday night, but early on, what are you, what are you seeing from the Bucks, and, and how big of a challenge is this going to be Monday night for your team? Yeah, they're a very physical football team. Rod Miller, the head coach, he took over there a few years ago. Uh, you know, a total rebuild. He has done a great job. You know, I've talked to a lot of IFL head coaches over the last year or two, and Rod's been one of the guys that's been um, very helpful in mentoring me as we dove into this thing. So they're physical. They're disciplined. They have an ultra-aggressive defense. Campbell, their quarterback, is a really great comeback story. He's very talented. Um, They're going to be tough. And we have two players from their roster last year on our roster. One of them is going to be playing for us, Tooney Rapati. The other one, Larry Ross, um, a great defensive end for us, sprained his ankle in the uh, first game of the season for us. and He'll be back in a couple weeks, but he won't be back for this game. Coach, uh, along the lines of those injuries, is there any other updates you can give fans on who they may or may not see out there on Monday night? I know things are, are always fluid, especially with you know, coming off the weekend, getting back to the road, getting people in and out of practice. Um, is there any update to, to the IR or the injury list that, that fans should know about heading into the game? Yes. Uh, today we activated um, a former UCLA standout at O&D line, Boss Tagaloa. So that is fantastic. Sorry, there's some skateboarders going by me. So if you hear screams, <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> I guess this where I'm parked right now is, I guess, the skateboard alley right now on this hill. So um, Boss Tagaloa is back, which is just great. And then um, we're about to sign tonight another offensive lineman. But until he's signed, I can't say his name because... It's not done yet. So that should help on the offensive line depth. And then as far as our other starters go on the O&D line, um, I just checked in today with the medical team, and they're going to be out for another two to three weeks. So we just have to grin and bear it and get through it. Well, hopefully guys can cruise just like the skateboarders are doing right now outside uh, outside your window <laughs> there. But I, I just have one more for you because Bismarck has – you mentioned the importance of – kind of the the three phases and how it can play a role and switch a game. You know, we discussed the kind of the minute or two stretch in the third quarter last week and how important that was. Well, Bismarck has played its first four opponents very closely, three one-score games, and I believe their last game was only an 11-point difference. So they've played in a lot of close games. Um, what kind of challenges 
do you think that presents to to your team? You know, unfortunately, between third and fourth down against Duke City, only going two of ten last week. Sometimes it comes down to those key situations. How do you try to be a little bit better in those spots? What have you tried to focus on and practice to make sure that you can make those important plays to hopefully come out with a win against a team that has been in a lot of those situations this year? Yeah, that's a great question. So number one is reducing the playbook. So one of the things we identified that we wanted to be better on was fewer things, higher reps, and more efficient. So, you know, with Corey or Joe or Vincent, um, whoever's in the game throwing the football, we want to have a um, an even better uh, strike percentage. That's for sure. And then in terms of our offensive line, you know, getting some guys in there that are um, talented and experienced enough to work together so we can move the pile a little bit. Our guys try hard, but if you're not as experienced at offensive line, it's tougher to figure out things that are going at full speed during a game against talented defensive ends, linebackers, and nose guards. So uh, a little bit more experience this week than we were last week. Getting Boss Tagaloa back, that's going to help. And then uh, throwing the ball a little bit more effectively. All right, well, we're certainly looking forward to Monday night, Coach. You'll be able to hear the game as always here on 95.7 The Game. Coach, we'll see you then uh, at the SAP Center. Until then, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate your time as always. Good luck, Coach. Thank you. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, Mark. And that was head coach Kurt Bryan of the Bay Area Panthers. We again appreciate him uh, taking out the time and joining us here on the Bay Area Panthers pod. Again, Mark Randy, Evan Giddings with you. Uh, Evan, I thought Coach, first of all, very open and honest with us, which was great. Huge thanks to him. Said a lot of really interesting things. First of all, rewinding back uh, to that tough loss uh, at the hands of Duke City, the Gladiators, uh, fall, uh, pushing the record to one and three for both teams. Actually, the the win pushes Duke City to one and three, and the loss uh, pushes the Panthers. Uh, to one and three but that key moment Evan about midway through the third quarter as I look back at my notes it was a big fourth and nine for Duke City on offense about midway through the third if the Panthers stopped them did not allow a conversion on fourth and nine they would have gotten the ball back uh, on the opponent's 15 yard line down by nine points so you're talking not a one score game but right there a couple plays later, Nicholas Brassel has a ball intercepted in the end zone. He collides, unfortunately, with DJ Calhoun, and the ball falls to the turf. And then, what do you know, Delo Davis, the star receiver for the Gladiators, has a touchdown a minute later. That makes it a 16-point lead for Duke City. And then a fumble on the first play of the offensive drive for the Panthers. The ball goes right back to Duke City. They score again. You blink, and suddenly you're down 23 points. That... That's a moment in that third quarter it is was huge, obviously. And it's the difference between a super competitive game that maybe turns into a win, you never know, and then the final result, which was uh, you know a, a tough loss that did not look too pretty in the box score for the Panthers. It just goes to show, whether it's the NFL, college, IFL, whatever, football can change in an instant, and it certainly did in this last game for the Panthers. And I take a couple of things away from that, but first and foremost... I would make the argument that the margin of error in the IFL game is smaller than in the NFL or even college just because of the size of the field. And, you know, the the second part of that, we'll dive into both, but 
you know, fourth downs aren't really an option. You, you have to go for it. Obviously, there's no punting. So if you're not successful on first and second down, you're going to be behind the eight ball. And for the Panthers to go, you know, one of six on third down, one of four on fourth down, that's where they won in week one when they won against San Diego was on fourth down, both defensively yeah. and offensively. They held the strike force, I believe it was 0 for 3 on 4th downs in that 4th quarter. Did not give up a point. Including that huge play that got them the ball back in the final minute. Including also the goal line stand at the very end of the game. So, you know, it all comes down to kind of those those key moments. And it's not like they're necessarily avoidable in the IFL just because of how the game is set up for you to go for it in those important spots. It makes it very entertaining and it makes it electrifying as a fan to watch. But as a player, sometimes when you're unsuccessful in those spots, the margin of error is just so small that it can go from a nine point game to 26 just like that. And so we've seen for the past couple of weeks, the plays not fall in favor of Bay Area. And, and that's obviously been unfortunate. But to me, it it is the reason why you tune in from start to finish is because the game can change so quickly and could have gone back in the Panthers' favor had they been able to come up with a couple of stops on fourth downs if they had an interception. I mean, the week before in the loss at home against Vegas, there was a play deep where they got an interception that got called back for illegal defense. So some of these are self-inflicted. Some of them are unfortunate. But overall, they're in these games, despite the score maybe seeing a little bit lopsided at the end, it is very obvious to me that they're not as far away as people think they are just based on looking at, you know, the 49 and 43 and 50 points that they've given up in these last three losses. Yeah, I agree. 50 to 28 was the final score in favor of Duke City uh, over the weekend. And uh, I certainly agree with uh, Coach Brian when he said that Duke City looks like the best 0-3 team in, in IFL history. That's certainly the case. I mean, we talked about it last week here on the pod, Evan. They're 0-3, yes, but their losses are Arizona, Arizona, and Frisco. Of course, Arizona probably the most storied franchise in arena slash indoor football ever. So, I mean, the, no shame in losing to them twice. And, and Frisco is a high-quality team as well. So we knew it was going to be a challenge going in for the Panthers, and, and it certainly uh, was that. But I think one positive that you brought up to Coach Brian, and I think he might have said, you know, great point or, or great question. He, yeah, he yeah. said it almost every time to you. No, it's uh, every other. You know, <laughs> that's what we're aiming for here. But, but great the questions only. <laughs> the positive was Dwayne Gary. And we've seen him kind of explode over the last few games. Five touchdowns on the ground now. It's leading the team. Only other guys close are the quarterbacks, Corey Murphy and Joe Newman, each with three touchdowns on the ground. Gary is averaging just a a tick under five yards per carry. He's averaging over 35 a game, and that's not really being the starter the first couple games of the year. So that number is going to continue to grow. He has been running the ball extremely well and you know coach brian told us well his shoulder pads are always parallel to the line of scrimmage he's always looking to get upfield. he has been maybe not to the coaching staff but at least to us kind of on the outside looking in a bit evan he's been kind of a, re- a revelation so far for this panthers offense well, look he began the, the season as the third string running back and a guy you didn't really expect to see out there that we didn't see out there in the first game of the season so for him to step up whether it be due to you know, injuries or whether it be due to other guys maybe not playing as well. He has absolutely seized the moment, and that's what this league is all about. And to your point, and and along with Coach Brian's about 
the way he runs, you know, you have to be versatile in this league to be successful. And the way that he, like, he's a physical runner, but he's also kind of got some wiggle to him. And so when you give him the ball in the backfield, you know, there's been a couple of plays where the offensive line has done a great job of providing holes for him and he understands what to look for. But then there's also a couple times where maybe a defensive end beats a guard or they get pressure up the middle with the extra blitzer. And Gary does a fantastic job of when he has space or just you know an inch of daylight to be able to maximize that. And we saw a couple of explosive runs last time at SAP Center, and then again against Duke City. Although the games didn't go in the favor of the Panthers, Gary has really done a nice job of being the head horse of this running attack, one of which, of Coach Court. Of course, Coach Brian wants to be dominant, wants to be 60-40. And so they're almost relying on him at this point, along with the rest of the running game, to play off of it with the pass. You know, the the pass has certainly got to get a little bit better. It was about 50% completion against Duke City and wasn't as explosive as we've seen earlier in the season. But again, there's been quarterbacks coming in and out. Newman unavailable last weekend where Murphy and Espinoza were the two guys that were in. We'll see how that changes. And all three, it sounds like, are going to be active and on the 25-man, perhaps 20-man roster for next Monday. So, But the the running game is, is where the Panthers need to dominate, where they look to dominate. And it'll be very interesting especially with this new offense that we're going to see on Monday night against the Bismarck Bucks, how Gary factors into that. Yeah, kind of pared down, you know, offensive playbook a little bit per Coach Brian, adding a few things but taking some things out, making it a little bit simpler. But I think the simple fact is Dwayne Gary's played well enough that you expect him to touch the ball more than anyone else other than the quarterbacks in this offense. There was some good news um, last week other than Gary. Justin Holmes, he was activated off of short-term IR. He played for the first time this year, the wide receiver from San Jose State. He got some action, made a couple nice grabs. Good to see him out there as well. And as you just heard a few minutes ago uh, from Coach Brian, Boss Tagaloa will be back on Monday, barring any setbacks. Of course, this week we knock on wood. Certainly hope that does not happen. That those two, Justin Holmes in the offense on the wide receiver in the wide receiver core, and then Boss Tagaloa potentially on both the offensive and defensive lines. Those are two huge additions. We've talked about it a lot, Evan. Almost talked it to death. It seems both on the broadcast and here on the pod. The trenches have been an issue for the Panthers because of all the injuries. And I know Coach Brian he doesn't want to make excuses for the the you know the record, the one and three record so far, but. You know, we're not on the coaching staff, and you can just see how hard it's been because of these injuries, and everyone's dealing with it, of course, but it still makes it difficult. It is going to be so nice to have a player like Boss Tagaloa back because he can fill needs on both offense and defense. Yeah, he's not going to make excuses. That's our job to do it for him, all right? We're going to talk about how this impacts the game, and I, I think it's been pretty obvious because in Game 1, they won in the trenches. They won the game. Last three games, they've been you know relatively dominated at the line of scrimmage, and that has showed up in the box score. But also, as far as the receiving core, you know we're showing a lot of love to Gary in the running game. The opposing defense is also going to show a lot of love to Gary in the running game. And so that's why Justin Holmes is so important with his return to the receiving core that's already begun to sort of find itself after a slow first couple of weeks. Cameron Pleasant with a big game against Duke City. Another score for him and a couple of deep balls. I believe he had over 90 yards on five catches. So he had a big game. And the offense needs to be able to move the ball through the air, not just explosively, 
But to be able to on, again, if the first down run isn't successful, you have to be able to not put yourself behind in the eight ball in third or fourth downs just because you can't play the field game. You can't give it to the other side and try and rely on your defense to keep them out. Sometimes the offense is putting the the defense at a disadvantageous situation. So for Holmes to be back in the lineup, I think is big. Tagaloa is huge just because, you know, not only of his, his impact on the defensive line, but also I think a lot of players look to him as sort of a veteran and a very, you know, a, a skilled player, a dominant guy. And so when you have some sort of chemistry on both sides of the ball, we know Tagaloa has been a successful defensive lineman, played O-line in college as well, is a local guy. Everyone is looking for him to be back out there. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Tagaloa jerseys in the stands. And so it just kind of rejuvenates and brings a little more energy back into the trenches, which has been so important. When they dominate it, they've done well. And when they haven't, we've seen what happens the last three weeks. Yeah, and I think they're going to need that energy because the team coming into town Monday night, Bismarck, the Bucks, they're playing really good football right now. If you just glance at their record, it's 2-2, two and two, not going to jump out of the water, not like their Massachusetts or Arizona, who are still undefeated, the only undefeateds left uh, in the IFL. But this is a Bismarck team that is playing really good football. And I think, you know, if you were to maybe poll the IFL coaches, probably the surprise of the league so far. They did not play well last year. They came in, voted as, as you know, expected to finish near the bottom, if not the very bottom, in the IFL this year. They're 2-2. Two and two. And Evan, they were so incredibly close to knocking off the defending champion Massachusetts Pirates last week. To go back to, to the end of that game, it was pretty ridiculous because um, Bismarck had an opportunity to tie the game. Actually, pardon me, to take the lead. They were down by two in the final minutes, and their field goal from 24 yards out... Uh, was wide right. So down by two, still after the missed field goal, Massachusetts gets the ball back. They end up facing a fourth and five from their own 13-yard line with 31 seconds left. They're up by two. They decide to try to kick a field goal, a 55-yard field goal, up by two with 31 seconds left. Full knowing if they missed, you give the ball right back to Bismarck a couple yards away from the end zone and the winning score. They make the 55-yard field goal. (laughs) Are you kidding me? They go up by five, and then there's a pick six on the ensuing offensive drive that makes it a much more lopsided score than it seemed like. But really, Bismarck was a missed 24-yard field goal away from taking the lead in the final minute of that game. And and who knows what happens if they make that field goal. I'm sure Massachusetts plays that differently offensively, but that's how close Bismarck was to knocking off the defending champs the Massachusetts Pirates. So this is a Bismarck Bucks team, as Coach Brian told us, to not take lightly. They're going to come in. They're going to be very physical. And, uh, yeah, I'll stand by it. They're the surprise so far in the IFL season. Well, a couple of things they offer, and we discussed a little bit of it with uh, head coach Brian. Number one, they, they've played close games the entire year. And it hasn't like it's just been complete shootouts. There's been two games that have been one-score games that have been in the 20s. There's one that's been in the 30s. There's one that's been in the 40s. So they have demonstrated an ability to win different types of situations. And of course, that's something that the Panthers are still looking to have. Um, 
you know, but also, I mean, uh, the guy to key on, and, and Coach Brian kind of mentioned it, Campbell has been a, a revelation for them this year, and he is absolutely the guy to zero in on, not only for the Panthers' defense, but if you're a fan to watch, because this guy is a dual threat, he can pass, he can run, and when you have someone who can essentially take up two spots on the field, we know how important it is to have you know a versatile ability in an 8-on-8 game when you have to have maybe one of your defenders essentially spy the guy that opens up things on the outside. And so for, I believe it's J. Rue Campbell, yes. the guy that's going to be the quarterback for, for Bismarck, most likely on Monday night. Of course, anything can happen during the week with injuries and whatnot, but that's who... The Panthers expect to be out there. That's who we expect to be out there and who we expect to see some electricity from and who the Panthers are going to have to be able to step up and match because with what he can do with his arm and legs, I know the Panthers have had Murphy, who's primarily the passer, Newman, who's primarily the runner, Espinosa's gotten some looks in now, but to have that kind of package deal, it's going to be a tough challenge for the Panthers' defense. They're going to have to be up to it. Yeah, and quickly on the, the Campbell, the quarterback for Bismarck, over the weekend against the Pirates, it was actually just his his second start, his second career start in the IFL. It was uh, his first was a win against Green Bay a couple weeks prior. So, you know, he's kind of been thrust into the starting role, and, and he's played really well. So we'll see. Assuming that he is the starting quarterback on Monday night, we'll see uh, how that does uh, go and, and how he does fare against this Panthers defense. It should be a whole lot of fun again Monday night. Bay Area Panthers hosting the Bismarck Bucks. We have a Western Conference versus Eastern Conference matchup. It should be a whole lot of fun. Monday night, 6.05 SAP Center. If you can't make it down to San Jose, you can hear the game here on 95.7 The Game. Evan will have the play-by-play. I'll be on the broadcast as well. We are certainly looking forward to it, and we hope that you join us again on 95.7 The Game Monday evening uh, Monday evening, excuse me, at 6.05 for the Bucks and the Panthers. Well, that'll do it here for this episode of the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Again, thank you so much to head coach Kurt Bryan for joining us earlier and taking out the time of his busy day. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to my partner, Evan Giddings, as well. This is Mark Randy signing off. Again, we'll be back on Monday for Panthers Bucks and then next week for another edition of the Bay Area Panthers pod here on the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bay Area Panthers Pod, part of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.